Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. How you doing? All right, we got you now. <laughs> Buddy Lester, I'm Robert Bobby Reed, man. It's a pleasure to meet you, man. How you doing, Robert? Man, I watched you play in Chicago State all the time, man, and uh, it was a pleasure, man. Thanks for giving me that. But I wanted to give you the proper introduction because we got you on here. You ready? I'm ready, sir. Okay. So tonight on All Ball Chicago, we got one of the top point guards out of Chicago ever, Dunbar High School, Iowa State Hawkeyes, drafted by the Bulls, Played for the Lakers and won a title in 1985 and executive. Give it up for Ronnie Lester, a.k.a. Santo. What's up, baby? <laughs> Ronnie over there. Ronnie over there laughing because you said Iowa. You said Iowa State, man. I said Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, yeah you said Iowa State Hawkeyes, but I let I let it slide. Oh man. <laughs> Iowa State Hawkeyes. <laughs> I would say, dang, I dropped the ball. Oh, you dropped the ball, man. But, Ronnie, man, <laughs> it, it's a pleasure to have you on here, man. We, we've been talking, and we try to get some legendary people that played basketball back in the day and in, the era, in this era just to get on, man. And when we put you out there, man, our page almost shut down, man, because everybody got stories I went to Dunbar with Ronnie. I played with Ronnie. You know, that's my man, you know. So I said it'd be great for Ronnie to get on our show and just, you know, talk about his upbringing. Um, I know you're from, you know, you're from the Stateway Garden and and um, learned the game. But I also want to just ask you right off the top, who who was the first person that put the basketball in your hand? Um, You know, Initially, I, I played baseball, and that's where the, the name Sano came in. Ron Sano was the third baseman for the Cubs. Yeah, right. I played baseball. I played Little League baseball for two years before trying basketball. And about 10, 10 and a half, I started to, to pick up the game of basketball, got a basketball for Christmas, and, and that was the start of it for me, learning the game and falling in love with the game and, and trying to become a be trying to become a player like that like the big guys were baseball, <laughs> and, baseball. and was you pretty good at it you know i played yeah I, I played baseball for two years uh i played shortstop was my main position but you know they move you around a little bit of everywhere um I played third. I played the outfield. I pitched a little bit, but mostly I was a, a shortstop. Wow, pure athlete. Wow, that's that's pretty remarkable, man. Because I I always said I wanted to play another sport, but I didn't. I didn't. I, didn't, I couldn't find another sport that I could probably play. You know, <laughs> I was six, man. I was pretty tall, man. Baseball, I don't know. Unless I was a could been, become a pitcher or something, I don't know. But but yeah. So you grew up in Stateway Garden, right? I grew up in Stayway Gardens, 3618 South State Street. Uh, my family moved there when I was about eight years old. Uh, originally, I'm not from Chicago originally. I was born in a small town uh, called Sharon in the state of Mississippi. And my family moved up to Chicago when I was about six years old. And we initially moved to the west side for two years. Wow. It's interesting. West Side, 
moved to the west side and then moved to the south side and did were they recruiting back then Rodney uh uh to go to high school or since you went you were from Stateway uh, but Phillips would have been your school right or no yeah, I grew up in that district. I have an older sister, a couple years older, who went to Phillips, and I didn't really, I didn't really want to go to Phillips. Um, I started playing basketball at about ten and a half. I um, I played what they call bitty basketball. Uh, I think they call it something else, maybe pee wee basketball now. But back then, bitty basketball, they lowered the basket down from ten feet to eight feet. You played with a little smaller ball. And you couldn't be over five feet, six inches tall to play. And that's how I started playing. I uh, started playing bitty basketball as a as a seventh grader. So, and and how did you develop that mental toughness? You know, because we have a lot of guests on, and certain guests, you know, they talk about it. They got it this way, and then another one say we got it this way. My dad, you know, was pushing me around, and I got it from my dad. You know, who? How did you, you know, find out or? Who was the one that tried to test you and, and you had you know you had to have that mental toughness? It came from, for, for me, you know, growing up in Stayway Garden, there were a lot of kids everywhere. Um, you know, it came from just being competitive, playing sports, wanting to win, um, playing on different teams. I, I think it's playing in different circumstances, playing in different parks and different leagues. Uh, you know you have to, to bring it sort of every time you go on the basketball court or you're going to get embarrassed usually. So that, that brings that toughness, that, that tough mentality, I think, out of most uh, city players. Okay. Rob, you got something you want to ask? Well, yeah, and, you know, he, he grew because you were, what, 5'6", and then you shot up to 6'2"? Yeah, it was, it was funny because um, – my freshman year, well, I go back to my junior high. I, I played junior high basketball as an eighth grader at Frederick Douglass Elementary School. Okay. And we had a really good team. Uh, we had Marty Murray was on that team. Uh, Mango Klein, LaVon Richmond, a lot of the guys that went on to Phillips and won a state championship uh, their, their senior year in high school. Okay. Um, I played on that same team, but right down the street from me was Dunbar High School. Dunbar was like two blocks away. And I used to go down and see some of their games when, when I was in, in high school. And they had a point guard by the name of Michael Poole. I don't know if you know that name or not. Michael Poole? Michael Poole, P-O-O-L-E, Poole. Okay. He was 5'5". Five, five. And, and I was only about 5'6 as an eighth grader. And I used to go down to watch him play. And, and he would just control the game from foul line to foul line. He controlled the game. Uh, the littlest guy on the floor just controlled the game. And I was a big fan of his because I was basically the same size. And, and I saw him do that. And I thought to myself, if he could do that, I can do it. Wow. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to go to Dunbar besides my, my coach who coached me in bitty basketball had also gone to Dunbar and we talked about that. And, and I ended up going to Dunbar and playing there. But my first two years, I, I was a little guy, five, six, 130, 35 pounds. Uh, over my <laughs> sophomore summer, I grew like seven, eight inches. It was the, 
the scariest thing because my knees were killing me all summer. Right, right. I didn't know why, <laughs> but I was growing. Uh, I go back for my junior year of high school and most of the guys don't even recognize me. Most of my teammates who I played with don't even recognize me. Because back then, um, you know, the, the Afro was the big thing, having a big pro. Right, that was the 70s. Yeah, <laughs> that was 1974. And my mother used to make me get a haircut like every two weeks. <laughs> and after my sophomore year, I said, mom, I don't want to get a haircut. And I let my hair grow out all summer. I grew a little pro. I grew like seven, eight inches. I came back and nobody recognized me. Uh, <laughs> you come up there looking like a baby doc. <laughs> wow. Well, well, Ronnie, that's interesting that you said about you watched uh, Mr. Poole with uh, your former uh, Dunbar alumni guy, and you watched how he ha handled himself out there on the court, the way he was doing things. And that's what I think a lot of people was telling me when I was, you know, told them that I, you was going to be on the show, that your IQ understanding of the game was off the charts, meaning you knew exactly where players were going to be. You knew when to shoot the ball. You knew when to, to make things happen for your team. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, because I think what we're trying to do is try to help a lot of people, a lot of our listeners who have children or coaches. Uh, walk us through something. Like this, this put your coaching hat on right now. That you as a coach, uh, how would you, you know, structure your team? I, I think first of all, you know, you you have to learn the game. You have to learn the rules of the game, the fundamentals of the game. Uh, you know, we all have different talents and abilities, but we can all do certain things uh, to bring out the talents and abilities we have. I think as players, we have to, and players know, players know when they need to get better at something. Uh, for me, I, I tried to get better. I would see older guys do something, and some things you're just not capable of doing. You're not as talented as some of the other guys, because I mm -hmm. grew up with a lot of guys who were great, great players who didn't go on to, to play in high school and college and didn't get a chance because of different, different things. Mm -hmm. um, but if you love the game, like I, I fell in love with the game. I was, I was saying I played baseball mm -hmm. and I was a pretty good baseball player. But once I got the basketball fever, I never went back to baseball. I, I knew that was the game I wanted to play. Uh, I knew that was the game I was sort of meant to play. I think a lot of kids uh, today, um, you know, with the way things are today, it's, a, it's not a lot of... Um, physical activity today. A lot of kids are, are stuck inside playing video games and those things. In our day, it was it was outside activity. It was, you know, when the football season came, you tried to play football. And basketball was basketball, then baseball. Uh, for me, just picking up the game and loving the game, I, I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, just learning the game, trying to be the best player I could be. Um, and along with that, as you know, Marcus, comes a lot of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You know, when, you're, when your friends are doing something, uh, going out or going here or there, you can't, can't hang out with your friends. You got to be home because the next day you got practice or you have a game. You have to love the game enough to sacrifice for the game, I think. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. 
Now, the next question I want to ask you, I know you played with some uh, Calvin Davis. You know, he's a he, he he's a mentor. You know, I used to talk to him a lot, and he's always talk about you. And I think you guys have been playing together for a very long time. I wanted to tell some of our listeners because a lot of our listeners haven't, haven't seen him play either. So tell me a little bit about Kelvin, Kelvin Davis' game when you guys were playing together. Um, I first met Kelvin at, at Douglas uh, Elementary because he lived, I think, a couple blocks away. And so we were in the same class. And we ended up playing bitty basketball together as, you know, 12-year, 11, 12-year-old kids. Um. Calvin and I also played in high school. We didn't play together all four years, I think, but Calvin and I played in high school for two or three years. Um, Calvin ended up playing college basketball at William Penn College in Pella, Iowa. Uh, and I didn't know he was at Pella until my sophomore year. Uh, at Iowa, I just finished my sophomore year and one of my teammates is getting married and he's from Pella. And I go to his wedding. I'm in his wedding. And I go there and I see Calvin Davis in wow. Pella, Iowa. The last person I, I thought I'd see. But but Calvin's a good friend. I've known him for a long time. Uh, good player. Calvin was, he, he'll probably tell you he was, uh, he was pretty good. And he was pretty good. He was a little bit bigger than, than I was. Uh, I think in high school, I, I shot up and, and caught up with him in height. Uh -huh. But Calvin was always uh, one of those dependable, solid guys that, that you have on your team. You know you can can depend on Calvin. Yeah, and we all have those type of players. And um, how did you end up at Iowa? You know, I know I know you were being recruited probably by a lot of, you know, prestigious universities across the country. What made you pick Iowa? Well, you know, it's funny. I didn't get recruited until my senior year of high school. Uh, my junior year, we had two guys on our team who were our two leading scorers. Uh, Clifford Allen was our leading scorer, left-handed, about 6'6". I think mm -hmm. he ended up uh, going to the University of Wyoming. Uh, Willie Smith was about 6'4", 5", ended up going to one of the schools in central illinois somewhere i forget where now and mm -hmm. i was probably the third leading scorer on that team and i didn't get any i didn't get recruited really until my senior year those guys had left and the next year um i had a good year because we we needed scoring those two guys had left our two leading scores and i think i averaged about maybe 27 points a game my, my senior year in high school and then all the schools started recruiting me. Um, I don't think I was real heavily recruited, but I, I took some visits out of high school. I went to Arizona, uh, Nebraska, Creighton, and Iowa were the four schools that I decided to visit coming out of high school. And picking Iowa, it was close to home. Um, I thought I'd have a chance to play right away at Iowa. Um, I liked the, the, the university, everything I saw, the teammates that I would play with once I got there, uh, the coaching staff, it was a lot of pluses that made me pick the university of Iowa. 
Ronnie yeah, Johnson. I was reading too. I'm sorry, Liv. I was oh, reading. Ahead. I was reading. Lou Dawson was what was one of the few people wanted to come visit you too, right? Yeah, Lou came to visit. Uh he became he coming every weekend. I was reading it. He was really on you, wasn't it, man? Tell him to. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, Iowa was the first uh, the first school to see me play. Uh, one of their assistant coaches, a guy by the name of Tony McAndrews, he came to see, uh, and we talk about it a lot because Tony and I lived in the same town for a little while, uh, a few years back. And I used to see him quite a bit. We'd go out to dinner. He came to see a, a game, uh, LaSalle, Peru, which is downstate Illinois. Okay. Uh -huh. Dunbar goes to LaSalle, Peru every year to start the season to play at LaSalle, Peru. And he was at the LaSalle, Peru game to see one of their players. And uh, we beat LaSalle, Peru. I guess we had never beat LaSalle, Peru down there all the time we were playing. And we beat them that year. And after the game, uh, my coach comes up to me and he has uh, Tony McAndrews, assistant coach from the University of Iowa with him. He introduces himself, tells me who he is. And at that point, they start recruiting me. Um, they come to practices. They come to almost every game. One of the assistant coaches is at almost at every game. Wow. They recruited me pretty hard. They, they were the first to, to, to recruit me and they they stayed after me pretty hard, and that kind of stuck in my mind, you know, uh, right. that they were the first. Uh, and also it was, I thought it was the best place for me, you know, mm -hmm. and it turned out to be a, a good decision to go there. Yes, it did. And Ronnie, we know that a lot of, like myself, is being recruited by a lot of colleges, but we know a lot of college coaches will tell you just about anything to get you on campus. Now, did that coach, Lou Olsen, was he the man of his word? Whatever he was telling you to get you on campus, to get you to commit to the school, did he follow through on those things? Yeah, coach was great. You know, he, he told me uh, two things. He said, if you come to school here, you'll get your degree. And after you leave, you'll be a better player. And those two things happened. I, I had other schools, amongst those schools I mentioned, they, they were – trying to induce me to come by giving me things. Oh. They was doing that back then? Yeah. Back <laughs> then. Back then. 1976. Wow. And my, my high school coach really helped me with that because every visit I had, uh, weekend visit with a school, I'd come back to school on Monday and we sit and talk about the visit, talk about certain things. And he told me something that stuck in my mind. He said, Never take anything from anybody because if anybody finds out, you may never play college basketball. And that always stuck in my mind. Wow. But it's so many people that wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so many people would do the opposite, man. And that just, I just, that's a testament of your upbringing, too. You know, moms made sure that, you know, you, you was on the straight and narrow and not, you know, falling wayside, too where you grew up at, you know, a lot of times we come victims, you know, or, or we want to say, like people always talk about, well, you're going to be another dude that's not going to do anything. You're going to end up back at Stateway Garden or wherever you may be, and we'll we'll see you soon. But right. you had your mom, you had Lou Olson, who believed in you, told you you come here, you're going to get your degree, and you guys, 
I think you won. Did you get to the championship game? They made it to the final four, right? Yeah. Um, a... You know, when I when I first went to Iowa, we weren't very good, to be honest with you, Mark. Okay. But you started as a freshman, right? You know what? I didn't start initially. Uh, the first five or six games, I came off the bench and coach gave me a start in one of the preseason games. And I went back to the bench and um, I started starting regularly the third Big Ten uh, game of my career, which incidentally was at the University of Illinois. Uh, it's a funny story because uh, we were we thought we were pretty good in the preseason. You know, in the preseason, you don't play really good teams. I think we were seven and two, eight and one going into the Big Ten season. And our first Big Ten game was at the University of Minnesota. Uh, Williams wow. Arena, 19,000 fans. And at halftime of the game, we're down 20. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and, and, and in those days, if you're down 20 at halftime, the game is practically over. Uh, you know, there was no shot clock in those days. I'm kind of right. dating myself here. There was right. no, there was no uh, three-point line. <laughs> Uh, so you're down 20. That's that's a big deficit. Right. The, the second game, we go to Purdue. And Purdue has uh, – and, and by the way, that Minnesota team was the best team in the Big Ten that year, but they were on probation. They couldn't go to the tournament. They had Michael Thompson, who became the first pick in the draft. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they had Kevin McHale, who was a freshman. Uh, Flip Saunders was the point guard. Osborne Lockhart, the two guard, uh, Ray Williams, the small forward who played in the NBA with the Knicks. They, they were really good. Um, the year before, Michigan and Indiana had played in the national title game, 1976 title game. Michigan played Indiana. Indiana beat Michigan in the title game. Uh, Michigan had a couple of Chicago guys, Ricky Green, John Robinson was on that team. And when I got to, I was a freshman, Ricky was a senior at Michigan. Um, but the Big Ten was really good. A second Big Ten game playing at Purdue, I think we're down 17 or 18 at halftime. Uh, and we knew right there, and I knew after playing those two teams, we had a lot of work to do at Iowa. We were going to be pretty good. Because those two teams uh, smoked us pretty good in half of a basketball game. Man, it's, wow. it's, it's crazy that you remember that. It's, I, it's, you remember those games, man. Like, I can't remember none of my games at Illinois. You know, and here it is, 19, you know, you remember all these games, man. But now it's time for you to uh, get drafted, you know, into the NBA. We trying to move along because I, I know we want to get to some – some other questions when you put your hat on as far as the GM, assistant GM uh, with the Lakers and and how you got your shot. But let's talk about that, you know, getting drafted into the NBA. Um, first round, uh, what was it, 10th uh, pick yeah, 10th in the pick. draft? Right. It was, was it the Bulls that drafted you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. You were drafted by the Portland Trailblazers, right? Yeah, the way I was told, and, and things are totally different back then, you know, where they have the draft and everybody's in the green room on TV. I got a call from a, a sports writer in Chicago. I was going to summer school in Iowa City. I got a call from a sports writer in Chicago. Said, 
you are been drafted by uh, Portland. Uh, you were traded to the Bulls, and you're going to be a Chicago Bull. And that was the first I heard of that because I was in summer school that day and never never heard about it until getting this call from a sports agent. And about an hour later, I get a call from the general manager, who at that time was Rod Thorne, uh, telling me what had happened uh, during the draft that I was coming to Chicago. Um, but back in those days, everything was totally different. Yeah, so so how, did they, how, how did they hold the draft, Mr. Lester, if you don't mind? Because if you were in summer school, yeah, I think the draft was held uh, by a phone. Every team was in their city and had a conference call into New York, and they would make their selection. Oh. And, Ronnie, it, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of rounds back then, too, right? It was 10 rounds to the draft back then, sure. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Yeah, it was wow. totally different. But, listen, 10 rounds, and you went first round, 10th player taken. That's and tough. You were, and you were at summer school. I was I was taking two summer school classes trying to finish up my degree. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. You were That's focused, huge. man. You were focused. So now you get the call, and now it's time for you to, you know, do. I guess you had to do some kind of media, uh, with the media in, in Chicago, uh, to talk about, you know, being selected, with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, who else was on that team? Uh, Not first you... got to Chicago. Um, Reggie Theus. Artis Gilmore, David Greenwood, uh, Kobe Dietrich, Ricky Sobers, Dwight Jones, Scott May, Bobby Wilkerson. Um, those were the guys on, on that team when I first got to Chicago that first year. Our coach now, was where, were, were you guys winning games? We made the playoffs my first year in Chicago. My first year in Chicago, I played, I think, eight regular season games and four playoff games because I hurt my knee my senior year at Iowa and missed half my senior season at Iowa. I had surgery on my knee in December after getting drafted in Chicago. And I came back towards the end of the year into the playoffs that year. I think we... We, we may have won 45 games that first year in Chicago. We made the playoffs. We played the Knicks. And back then, it was the best two out of three in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, wow. We beat the Knicks uh, in the first round of the playoffs that year and played the Celtics, the Boston Celtics, in the next round and got swept by the Celtics. Do we have any questions, Bob, or on our on our page on our line? Man, people just excited as heck, man. This <laughs> one dude on here, he said uh, his name is Nate King. Nate King say, Ronnie, excuse my line, my language. He's no, he didn't cuss. He said, Ronnie used to Nate King. Ronnie used to tear the lining out of us at Stateway Gym, even though he was a four years older than than me. He gave me the business. He was shooting threes like Billy Harris, another Dunbar legend. You know Nate King? I don't know that that name. Uh, <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know, that's that's a long time ago. That's, that's a probably, long time that's ago. That's probably 45 years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> that's a long time ago. 
But you play, but Ryder, you play with another guy that I'm friends with on Facebook, uh, Dancy, uh, Kenneth. Kenny Dancy was uh, a big time player. Uh, I didn't play, you know, he was from, I think he went to Bill Elementary, which was a little bit farther south, 60 okay. something south of where, from where I grew up. But we, we met up at Dunbar. He didn't play all four years at Dunbar, but he was, he was, he was 6'4", left-handed, could uh-huh. shoot it. He was athletic. He uh, he got a scholarship to play. We were in the same class, and he was the second leading scorer my senior year in high school. He averaged about 18, 19 points a game. And he got a scholarship to play at Arkansas Pine Bluff, I want to say. Okay. He was there for two years, decided that he wanted to come back to Chicago, ended up at Chicago State. Played his final two years at Chicago State. Got drafted by the Washington Bullets in like the fourth round. Wow. Was the last cut in Washington that year, uh, 1980. Went to France where he played for like 18 years of pro ball in France where he lives now. Yeah, oh. he's still there. He's still there. That's so he might be watching. If he's not, he'll be watching tomorrow. You know, I know the time difference over there. But yeah, he had definitely told me to make sure he, you you know say hi to you too, man, because uh, these guys respect you. You know they respect your game and they respect what you were all about too. And I also did. I'm I mean I admired you, man, and and I look up to you. And that's what we don't see a, a lot, uh, Ronnie. That especially people from Chicago, instead of uplifting each other, we'll throw darts at each other. You know, like man. Ronnie made it, man. He ain't coming back, man, you know, this and that. And I never, like, when Sean connected me back, you know, with you, because I know I had your number a while back, and it was just like, you know, nothing happened, you know, like nothing changed with you. you still the same Ronnie, you know. Uh, open arms, and if you can help someone, you're going to help them. And if not, you're, gonna, you're definitely going to give them the right advice. Uh, I see that in you, and I heard a story about when you were at the Lakers and you were doing, you know, the scouting and, 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 and looking at high school players, trying to get that early look on. There's a rumor going around that you were the, one of the first guys that first saw Kobe Bryant, you know, with the Lakers organization. So you had your eyes on him first, and then you went back and told those guys, this, guy, this, this kid is special. Yeah, I got a chance. You know, I started scouting. When, when I quit playing, Marcus, in 1986, I played from 80 to 86, four years in Chicago and two with the Lakers. Um, the next year, uh, Jerry West, who was our general manager at the time, he knew I was from Chicago. And the NBA preseason camp or the free camp is in Chicago before the draft every year. And he called me a week before to tell me he was coming into Chicago for the camp and he wanted to, to sit down and talk to me. And he spoke to me about scouting. He was looking for a scout in the Midwest and he offered me uh, the position to, to be a scout for the Lakers, uh, scouting college talent in the Midwest in 1987, 88 was my first year. Okay. Um, I think Kobe came out of high school in 96. And, and what I did, I kind of immersed myself into, into scouting. Uh, I tried to see every player that was eligible for each and every draft. 
Uh, I tried to know as much as I could about every player. I tried to see every player. And every year, I would go to the McDonald's High School All-American game. Uh, it so happens that the year Kobe came out in 96, the game was in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. So I went to the game. I saw Kobe. Uh, trying to think who else was in that game. Uh, Tim Thomas was in that game. Man, mm -hmm. Steven Jackson was in that game. That game was loaded, man. Yeah, it, it, was, it was great talent. Yeah, and, and, you know, every year is great high school talent from around the country. Mike Bibby was also in that game. Mm -hmm. And and afterwards, you know, one or two guys may come out. I think the year before, Kevin Garnett came out. Mm -hmm. And the year after Kobe, Tracy McGrady came out of high school. But in 96, um, I went to the game. You know, you, you take notes, you see who you like, who you think can play. And it's really a chance to, to see the top talent before they go to college. And most of these guys do go to college, but it so happens a month or so later, Kobe decided that he was coming out and made that announcement. And I called Jerry and said, hey, you should see this kid. You should bring him in and work him out. And Jerry brought him in, worked him out, and fell in love with him. Um, we were trying to figure out where Kobe would go in the draft because that was the guy Jerry fell in love with and Jerry wanted to take in the draft. Mm. Um, you know, you see a lot of kids that you like over the years that you would love to draft, but you're not in position to draft them because you're drafting later than they go in the draft. Mm -hmm. But Jerry's one of those guys, uh, if he sees something he, and he likes a player, he's going to pursue that player to the end. And, and Jerry, to his credit, found out a way to to acquire Kobe uh, in that 96 draft. And the, and the rest is history, as they say. That's wild. Wow, but it started with you, though, having them eyes on him, man, and giving that information back to uh, Jerry West. So big ups to you for, you know, actually yeah, seeing that. Yeah, that's my job. You know, as a scout, that's your job. I mean... There are players that, that you see, that you know, that don't have much of a chance to play at that level, having played at that level and knowing what it takes to, to play at that level. There are other players you see that you know they're going to be good. Uh, and Kobe was, was one of those guys. You know, you, you see a guy and you, this guy is really talented. He has a chance to be really, really good at the next level. Uh, and that's our job is to let Jerry or whoever you're working for know that this player, don't waste your time seeing him. He can't play. You should see this guy. Hey, can I rewind back, Liv, a little bit right Come quick? Uh, I know we went straight to your executive career, but you left the Bulls, and then you end up going to play with Magic and winning the title, man. How did that feel? <laughs> it was great. You know, <laughs> uh, in Chicago, we struggled in Chicago. I played in Chicago for four years, and we had – four head coaches in the four years I was there. And it was a lot of chaos, basically, a lot of change in a short period of time. And I go to LA in the 84, 85 season, and it was like, it was unbelievable to see how good and efficient the Lakers were as compared to the team I had just left, you know? Right. Um, you know, Magic was a, a young player. Kareem was still in his prime. Um, 
James Worthy was a young player, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper. We had uh, sitting next to me on the bench was Jamal Wilkes, uh, Bob McAdoo, wow. <laughs> Mike McGee, Larry Spriggs. It, it was a, a, a was loaded. Really talented. <laughs> 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 to leave Chicago to that? Yeah. Like, really thank fun. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Wow. That was amazing. So y'all end up beating the Celtics. So somebody, year, right? somebody was. Go ahead, Liv. Yeah, you know what? No, no, no the Celtics. No, they beat the Celtics in 85 when they with the year he won it. Exactly. The year before the Celtics beat the Lakers in the finals, and I was sitting on my living room floor watching the finals as the Celtics beat the Lakers and cheering for the Lakers because, you know, I had played New Magic just a little bit, had played against him two years in college. You know, he was at Michigan State. I'm at Iowa. Right. I'm rooting for the Lakers. And and the Lakers, you know, they, they had a chance. They made some some uh, some turnovers late in a, in, a, in a pivotal game to lose the game. And I think that turned the series and they lost it. But when I went there the next year, you could tell they were determined. They were focused to get back to the finals and win the finals. And they did that year. You know, they played Boston again and, and, and beat the Celtics in Boston uh, in game six to win the championship that year. I know that was like, you couldn't believe it. From yeah, your living room floor to the title, let's go, baby, let's go. Yeah, and, but then is. you end up staying at 24 years and winning seven titles, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I started off, as I said, in scouting, and I did that for 14 years. Um, I got a job promotion in 2001 to, to move to L.A. to be the assistant general, general manager, and I did that for 10 years. Uh, wow. During that 14-year period as a scout, you know, we had to rebuild that team a couple times because we lost Kareem to retirement. We lost Magic to the HIV virus. Right. Um, and so we became one of the best teams in the league to a team struggling to make the playoff when those things happened. And we had to rebuild that team. And we did it basically through the draft and, and signing Shaquille in 96 as a free agent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, Ronnie, I, I hear like when we when we started, you was talking about moms, um, so I guess mom was a big part of your upbringing, um, and she instilled probably a lot in you. So let's talk a little bit about mom when you made it, you know, to the to the NBA. Uh, I know she was probably excited. Yeah, yeah. My, my mother uh, raised me and three sisters uh, alone. Uh, uh, my, my mom, like a lot of moms, uh, you know, you love them to death. You know, they're selfless. They, they love their kids. Uh, and she, she struggled at times. I saw her struggle. Uh, she did the best she could. And, and I'm, I'm so proud of my mother. Um, me growing up, I saw her struggle and I didn't want to bring any more struggle on her, you know, uh, growing up as a, as a young young kid. That's, that's, that's awesome, man. It's, it's so many people though, Ronnie, would do the, they just don't see it. Like, that's what I'm saying. At an early age, at a young age, man, you saw so much and you stayed on a straight and arrow. It's not to go to the gangs, not to get involved with certain people 
you was laser. It seemed like you were laser focused, you know, like you knew what you were trying to do and you knew how to get there and you was going to do whatever it take uh, uh, to get to that next, that next level, whatever that may be you getting from, you know, elementary to Dunbar from Dunbar to college, from college, you know, getting your degree and, and then getting on to uh, the NBA. And then you had some adversity that you had to fight you know, and your knees start, you know, you had knee uh, uh, injuries and then you had to make another decision. What's my next move? So it seems like everything was playing out, you know, the way it's supposed to for your life, you know, because you did do a lot of great things for that Lakers organization. Um, but I think this is me personally saying this. I think, man, uh, the NBA needs someone like you, you know, to run an NBA organization. Um, you did your thing with the Lakers. You was assistant GM. But I, I really do think that Ronnie Lester should be uh, an executive general manager on somebody's, you know, team because you got the eyes, you know, talent, and you pretty much learn from Jerry West. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I've not been in the game since 2015 was the last year I worked for an NBA team. I did some scouting for two years for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, uh, 2013 through 15 was involved in two drafts with them. Um, and you know, it's, uh, if I never get back into the league, Marcus, um, I'm, I'm content with where I am in my life and what I've done. Uh, you know, the years I've worked in the league, uh, if someone called with a position that interests me, I would have some interest, but beyond that, I'm content with, with where I am and what I've done. All right. Beautiful, man. Well, Some, uh, I had one to ask, down man, here, Bernard Cook. I'm sorry, Liv. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I tell uh, Bernard I had Cook to ask say, uh, 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 my summer league teammate, when we played for uh, Coach Frazier, Old Town Boys Club and South Town Y, B-Ball Brotherhood. Bernard Cook said, what's up? All right. Mr. Well, Ronnie you, Lester. Yeah. yeah. Bernard's a good player, yeah. Playing for Coach Frazier. Coach Frazier was our, our uh, junior high coach in eighth grade. Oh wow. wow! Okay, and you, yeah. you jump ship and went to Dunbar. Yeah, I went to Dunbar. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought uh, I didn't want to go to Phillips. That that was just the thing. I didn't want to go to Phillips. That wasn't, that wasn't happening. Dunbar is a good academic school back then too, and they was vocational, right? Yeah, it's a vocational school. But but uh, you know, the Phillips thing. My sister had went there, so I was up at Phillips occasionally. And I just didn't get a good vibe about the school. I, I went to Dunbar and I, and I thought I'd, I, I'd flourish at Dunbar. Dunbar was a newer school. Uh, my coach, my bitty coach had gone there. He told me a lot about the school. So I thought it was a, a good decision to, to, to go somewhere different. Who was the coach at Dunbar? Was it Faye Michael? It was uh, Jim Foreman. Jim Foreman. Yeah, I don't know if you know that name. Jim Foreman no. was the varsity coach. Ray Price was the freshman sophomore coach at Dunbar. Jim Foreman was the varsity coach, and Coach Foreman passed away about three years ago now. Wow. Oh man, man I, I, you know, I was, I'm just in awe, man, because I was just reading up on you. I was like, man, I was always like, where's Ronnie Lester? Like, where's Ronnie Lester? And I didn't know you was chilling in the Lakers, man, but. For 20 years, you over there chilling in LA, man. 
great, great career, man. We're so proud of you, man, from Chicago. I just want to say I'm, I'm proud of you, brother. And you had that quick, that hezzy, right? You, you had the hesitation, right? Well, you know what? I grew up playing the game. Uh, when I first learned the game, my, our bitty coach, we, we played the game fast, up and down. We pressed, we trapped, we pushed the ball, we played fast. And, and that's the way I grew up playing and the way I, I like playing. Right. Playing fast. Uh, you know, you play, you learn a lot of different ways to play. You play in the half court, but, but that's the way I grew up playing and that's the way I played. Uh, love to play fast. I heard you and Isaiah Thomas used to have some good battles, did y'all? Well, you know what? Isaiah was was younger than, than myself. I was uh, three years ahead of Isaiah. Okay. Uh, when Isaiah went to Indiana, I missed the Big Ten season because I hurt my knee uh, in the preseason, missed the whole Big Ten season. But Isaiah and I played together Okay. on the, on the 1979 Pan Am team. In 1979 right. for Bobby Knight. Give us the name on that. I was reading that. That team was loaded. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Who uh, Kevin McHale. He probably can't. He, he probably gave him. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I Kevin McHale was on that team. Isaiah was a high school kid on that team. Uh, the other high school player on that team was Ralph Sampson. Um, Ralph Sampson, Kyle Macy. Michael yep. Brooks, Sam Clancy. Mike uh, Woodson. Mike Woodson, John Duran. Yeah, it's a really good team. And then Coach Krzyzewski Coach was the assistant coach. Coach K been around for, forever, Liz. Right. He's an, he's an Illinois boy, too. Wow. Weber yeah, Heisman, we put him out. But I always notice about Ronnie Game, though, too, he, you never played around with the ball. You, you you know how you see most guys want to showboat the handles is like I'm trying to get from point A to point B and I'm a, and I'm a every move I need to get there so I can get my shot off or make something happen for my teammate. Yeah, I, I played for coaches who who kind of frowned on you getting fancy and turning the ball over. So so my game was pretty basic. You know, like you said, I, I didn't I didn't try to get fancy. Uh, I could probably beat most guys from point A to point B with the basketball. I was pretty fast and pretty quick. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't play around with the ball. And I think part of that was me learning the game as a young kid, learning the fundamentals of the game and trying to play the right way. Man, I, I love your humility, man. You're just a humble, humble guy. You and Terry Cummins, cause Terry said he came on a visit with you, right? Yeah, Terry came to Iowa when I was there on the on recruiting visit. And that's listening to you. It's like talking to Terry, big bro, them, right, Liz? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, man. But but I know Ronnie got to go, but I want to ask Ronnie one more question. Or, Rob, you might have another one after this. No, but, I'm cool. Uh, what kind of advice, Ronnie, would you give to, to our listeners who may have a child that wants to get involved in uh, basketball, what kind of advice would you give them uh, so they can help, you know, their kids? I think you should foster any dream that your kid has because you, you never know, you know, what anybody can become. Your kid, my kid, with the proper guidance, with the proper instruction, finding the right coach or the right program for them. So I, I would say help your kid reach his dreams, whatever those dreams may may be. Help him pursue those. 
you know, in basketball, uh, I know it's different today. When we, we were kids, you had to kind of learn the game on your own. You see guys do things and you go out and try to do those things. Uh, mm-hmm. Today, there's all kind of coaches, uh, skill coaches, shooting coaches, uh, conditioning coaches. So, you know, if you have a kid that, that really loves the game, he, he, he wants to be a player, I would help foster that whatever way I could. That's huge. Uh, we we had to end on that one, man. But then you gotta set, you gotta give it out to your dumb bar mighty man, because if you don't give a shout out, Ronnie, they don't look at us like, oh, boy, Chicago, you guys gave us, but we need to hear from my main man, Ronnie. So you gotta give yeah. a shout out to your mighty man. Yeah, shout out to all those dumb bar mighty men. Uh, I'm gonna make that uh, that picnic one of these years at Washington Park. They have a huge picnic every summer. And for oh, some reason, I, I'm always doing something, always busy. I can't make it back. So I'm going to make it back one of these years. You heard it from the legend, Ronnie Lester, the boy Chicago, baby. I enjoyed this with Marcus Liberty. Liv, did you freeze up? Too. Okay. No, I'm here. Okay. Appreciate you coming on uh, and joining us, brother. I love you, man. And, uh, much success, man, whatever you choose to do. Okay. Love you, Marcus. Nice meeting you, Rob. Hey, Mr. Lester, thank you, man. I stole a lot of your stuff. You said you wasn't <laughs> fancy, but you used to go through the legs. You had some work, baby. You take it easy, big guy. All right. You guys be good. Enjoy yes, being sir, on. Yes, sir, man. All right. All right. Peace. Peace. Man, that was awesome, man. Man, 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 Ronnie Lester. You over there, you over there like this. You over there like this. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and, then, and then you had the dirt to say Iowa State, man. I'm Iowa an State. Iowa State home, guys. But that's do but that's do that's do the recap, man. I mean, that's do the recap and then we have here, man. Okay. Man, it, it was uh it was interesting, man, just to hear him uh, talk about his career playing third base. And then, you know, not going to the school that he was zoned for. Yeah. I don't want to go to Phillips. Even the coach was, you know, his elementary school coach. And he's like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going there. You know, I'm going to Dunbar. You know, right. he, you know, he probably thought, you know, uh, academically, you know, he wanted to to go elsewhere, you know, probably have people to Phillips High School. And like you said, Phillips somebody was new. Yeah, yeah. Not to say Phillips wasn't, a, you know, an academic school or anything like that, because I don't want nobody to, you know, think I'm trying no, to. No, Phillips all love, school. man. Phillips all you know, love. I think they. Tra- I got love for. I think they used the picture of a uh, Cooley High for Phillips back in the days. Don't quote me on that. But I heard somebody say the front of the movie for Cooley High that was Phillips High School. I think that's what they said. But did you but did you hear what Ronnie said? That that freshman year, Phillips won, you know, the championship, the state championship when he went over to Dunbar just coming off a state championship, you know. So yeah. Phillips has some dogs, man. Them Wildcats, yeah. them boys had some dogs back in the day. Right. You know, just so to think about, like you said, they didn't have all them trainers, bro. They ain't no, no. No. And it, and he was so on point that like, we on television, then we go out there and try to mimic it. 
you know, without the trainer, you know, the, actually the television was our trainer, you know, yeah. watching those guys play. Man, it was so, a, it was a was, blessing because we used to be able to go right up to them. Bro. When they played at the summer league at Chicago State in the summer, you could walk right up to the pros, you know, and that was a big part of yeah. all of us, man, being blessed. So, man, all ball Chicago, man, we looking for sponsors. Don't forget, if you want to sponsor our show, man, hit us up, man. We looking for sponsors. And we finna drop a new device on them too, Lib. We'll tell them about it next week, right? Yeah, we'll tell them about it next week. And also, man, we looking for some people that can, because me and Rob pretty much calls, man, getting people on our show. Uh, we we actually want to turn this into something real big, man, and maybe we help, you know, people help somebody can help us, you know, better. We not say we the best, but we also know that we love what we do, you we know, work, and, and when you love something, you just put it, you know, give it your all. And uh, so big ups, man, to uh, to all of our guests who came and showed us. And we're going to keep getting better and better with this, man, and, and, and enjoying it and loving it, you know, and giving, you know, Chicago, you know, our, our people what they want, you know, and that's to, to educate them. them and educate them, you know. We, gotta, we have to educate some people, you know, some parents, you know, how to raise. You see, he said that he came from a single family home, you know, mom, and he saw the struggles, you know, but he didn't want to put no burden on his mom. So he stayed straight on the straight, man. And, and if kids nowadays can listen to what he was just saying, because we, you know, it's a lot of people that have, you know, come from that single family home that if they can, you know, get something out of that, man, that, you know, nothing else on your parents and your mom doing all the work and trying to support, you know, it should be. So don't put that extra burden on her, man. Let her, you know, continue to put the food on the table and pay the bills. And then you you go out and do what's right, which is to get your education. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to a few people on here that watching the show, man, we really, 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 really appreciate the comments, man, the positive stuff, the feedback that y'all giving me and my brother Marcus Liberty. Man, this is not about us. This is about y'all. This is about Chicago. So Donovan Lane, thanks for the love. Cindy Garcia, thanks for the love. Kathy Schumer, Schumer, Schumann, thanks for the love. Demetrius Freeling Senior, great show, man. We appreciate you, man. You always tune in with us. Uh, Cindy Garcia again, thanks, man, for tuning in, man. We we really, really appreciate y'all. And Tony Pruitt, man, get your Simeon guys together. I want you to get the legends from back then in your day. Cause I heard you was a murderer too, boy. And uh, Bernard Cooks, much love to you too. Uh, Kendall, my man, Magic Man, Josh Rosenbaum. Uh, I don't want to miss nobody. We just want to get y'all love, man. So that's me, Liv. That's it for me, baby. What you about to be on, big yeah. guy? And you know what? It's time for me to unlace the shoes, man. We laced them up with Ronnie, you know. Now I've got to unlace them, man, because it's the end of. Um, had a ball with this show today. Um, uh, a lot, man. I actually learned a lot just listening to Ronnie. That's why I wasn't really trying to talk too much. Today. Right. I wanted to listen, man. Sometimes you we have to be students and and, and want to listen to somebody that has some extra knowledge that we we, we tend to need. You know, and he was dropping it, man. He was dropping a lot of knowledge today. So again, man, for just coming wanna, on All Ball Chicago. I want to say this too, big guy, and, and just like. Lib, you come from the projects. I mean, great guy, great guy. Ronnie Lester, Stateway Guards. You know, the labels, man, we throw that stuff out the window, man. Look at, look at guys are making moves, man, from wherever you're from. So if you feel like you're in the rut and you don't think you can make it, man, think about some of these guys who come from hard times, man. 
because I'm telling you, your opportunity yeah. is there. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, man. All Ball Chicago yeah, Believe man. Podcast Network. Your boy Bobby Reed, the co-host, Market Limited Legend. I'm pumped up, baby. <laughs> yeah, you always pumped up, man. And I sometimes I got to cool it down. <laughs> All right, man, we got to get out of because I start, I start singing, man, and then people are really <laughs> mad at me because they know I can't sing at all, man. But so, all ball Chicago, man, we, we will need, be back again. We need high schools, and, uh, right, Liv? I, uh, I think we, the high school is going to be easy for us to get, man, because uh, uh, we know people, you know. We know you people. You want the ball girls, the Big Ten girls? Uh, uh, yeah, we can probably work on them. We'll work on them. But I want to drop this, man, so all our listeners can know what's up with, you know, on Tuesday. Tuesday, man, we're going to have that McDonald 1987 crew come on who played with me and against me. Dennis Scott, Mark Macon, Sean Higgins. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get Rodney Monroe. If I can get my man Rodney Monroe or Chris Cortiani, both of them. Um, I think I'm, I want to try to get my man Eric Manuel, making Georgia. Uh, some of these some of these people probably who listening to us know, but we definitely going to get Sean Higgins and D. Scott on. They already they already committed. Tuesday going to be on fire, baby. Let's go. Let's go, big fella. So that would be Tuesday, nine o'clock Eastern Time, eight o'clock Central. All Ball Chicago Believe Podcast Network. Swing over to Believe Podcast Network and check all our shows out, man. We got a plethora of up, up there, baby. And without right, further Bob. ado, I'm up out of here, Lib. Peace, Chicago, my brother. Man. Peace, y'all. Peace. Uh, Hasta la vista, baby. Serenara. Buenos noches. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, zip it, boy, zip it. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.